This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Let's get right to it. We've got General Thomas McInerney, who is retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant General. And I, I heard that he was in, in charge of NORAD at yep. one point. Very hot. And of course, the big topic, John, as you bring up, is the balloons that are, well, at least the unidentified object, three unidentified objects, one Chinese balloon, and we have one great general Are the Martians of Venusians coming after us? Well, they came out this, I never thought I'd hear this, John. They actually came out today, the White House, they had to put out a statement saying, there are no aliens as far as we know of. We believe that these are actual you know, man-made crafts. Can you believe okay. that? It actually had to come so out of official statement. it's not statement. War of the Worlds with uh, <laughs> Orson Welles? As far okay. as we know, not yet. But let's ask the general, General Thomas McInerney, joining us here, Rita Cosby, joining the great John Katz and Matides on Cats at Night. Go ahead, t- General. How are you? Great talking to you again, Rita. It's been a while. You too, my old friend. I mean, t- fill us in. What's your reaction to the fact that the White House did have to put a statement out and what do, you, what do you make of all these balloons or unidentified objects, at least the three of them? Well, let me give you a quick background. I was not the NORAD commander. I was NORAD Alaska commander stationed up at Elmendorf. It gets and, cold uh, again. For, for four-plus years, which is the longest of any uh, NORAD region commander in Alaska. Now, I had in those days, and they still do, 18 land-based radars, actually 19, because we had one out on Shimia in the very tip of the Aleutian chain, where the first one came in. In addition, I had three AWACS airborne, and the, the pattern, I want to give your people a different viewpoint than they've been getting. The patterns of behavior of the Russians in those days was they would hit us at like 2 in the morning, and they'd uh, and we had two alert sites in those days, F-15s, out at King Salmon and Galena, and they were out on the very uh, tip of the Alaskan Peninsula, not Shimia. Now Shimia had the Cobra Dane radar, which was a massive radar. It's still operational, although the base is uh, is no longer an active base, but it's run by civilians. But that, that big radar, and the reason this is important, called the Cobra Dane, would look into Kamchatka, where the Russians would shoot their MIRV multi-warhead missiles. And we had an airborne airplane called the Cobra Ball that had cameras. And the Cobra Dane would position the Cobra Ball so they could get pictures when the uh, weapons separated from the mother capsule. Now, you, you got a lot of information, but what is important is we have very powerful radars, and there's no way that we could have missed that first balloon. Now, remember that first balloon, although the balloon <clears throat> is, uh, is an interesting radar subject, but it has a 2,000-pound 
as big as two or three buses, uh, weapons bay, what we call a weapons bay, but it would really be a bay that had, uh, and I think they're going to find this out in South Carolina, that it had uh, cameras, probably had uh, sensors to listen to and, and other things. But, but, and that was different than the next three that came down. One was taken down in Canada, in Yukon province. The other was taken down over Lake Huron yesterday, the day before. And then the other was taken down over, uh, uh, got a memory block. Where was the third taken down? Uh, other one, it was like right around Montana, Canada. Yeah. Canada, and, and one was in the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it was at Prudhoe okay. Bay, Prudhoe Bay, yeah. where the oil rigs are. But general, but general, what do you think up. is? What do you think are these other ones? Because the big story today, in fact, the White House just came out a little bit ago and said that they believe that one, obviously the Chinese one, they said was a Chinese spy balloon. They believe for sure, just as you just so eloquently said about yeah. the payload. What about these other three, which now they seem to be like the OK Corral, like it took them forever to shoot <clears> down <throat> the first one. And now they're like anything that comes in sight, they're shooting over. Well, I think they're Chinese as well. Now I don't know. OK, but I think they're Chinese because it's a pattern of behavior that we're seeing. And you can uh, going back to the first one, we had it long before it hit Shimia and uh, came up the Aleutian chain. So it could have been taken down very easily anywhere along, despite what the White House says, without injury to anybody. General, let me ask you this. This is Al D'Amato. Did you permit any of these balloons or these types of things to come come into the United States? When or you did you interdict touched. them? Well, I, I would have taken them out. But no, I mean, but did you ha- have this? You never had this take place, did you? I never had this before. Yeah. Now, this is this is new, gentlemen yep. and ladies. You want this to speculate new. as to why? Yes. I'm going to speculate. All right. When well, the Chinese saw and the Russians saw our pullout in Afghanistan, we emboldened them. We emboldened Putin to do what he's doing in the Ukraine, and we emboldened the Chinese to pull this nonsense. They didn't do it when the four years that you were there and you were in the command of the position that you indicate. All of a sudden, we see this taking place because they see this administration as weak. So, General, what do you do you agree, General? I happen to agree with the senator. Now, let me let me tell you further what I agree on. This is, is a new technology, and, and it's important that, that you gentlemen and you, Rita, know this. The Russians and the Chinese in 2005 promulgated a new strategy for global domination without using kinetic weapons, meaning bombs and bullets. And they were going, and they're going to do it. General Hei Taiwan was is was their chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff's equivalent, 2005 now, get me, how they could get global domination. And that would be by using massive biological warfare and massive cyber warfare. Now, 15 years later, we got hit, and no one will argue that the COVID-19 did not come out of Wuhan 
and the Wuhan Virology Lab. Uh, even uh, Fauci is starting to say that. And that was not an accident. And that and this goes back to their global domination theory. That was uh, circulated massively during the Chinese New Year, in which they flooded people throughout the world in January 2020. Now, when, when, when the Chinese blocked all the Chinese airplanes from leaving Wuhan to going to the other Chinese provinces and allowed those airplanes to continue to go to Italy and continue to come to the United States, to New York and Los Angeles, that is a crime. That is a that is a crime, crime, crime. Because they stopped it from going to their other Chinese provinces, but they kept them coming to Italy and the United States. But you know what's interesting, John? Too, that, but the president, when our president talks to President Xi, he doesn't even ask him about the coronavirus. I mean, that to me is astounding. What does well, that I, say? I think there's a there's a credibility problem somewhere. Yeah. The, now the important thing of that, John, is is it's. It is a crime, but it's also genocide. And it is it was not a pandemic. It was a deliberate global biological attack. Now that's your opinion. And, uh, General, General, some of us agree with, some of us uh, uh, agree that it's very good possibility. General, this is Pete King. Can I get back to the balloons yeah. for one the first one, it's great yeah, to yeah, talk to you again. Let's get back to the balloons yeah. though. Yeah, I was gonna ask you on that. No, the Pentagon the is saying balloon. today. General, the Pentagon is saying that this happened at least three times under the Trump administration. Do you believe that? This never would have happened. No, they said it has happened. happened. Yeah, they said it's happened, but they couldn't detect well, it at I the don't time. Believe that. Yeah, but if I they don't believe that. that's a question, you know, could they not or did it happen? Or are they just know. saying it? Okay. Peter, I do not know. Okay. But I do not believe it. Yeah, one We're of the things, that, by the way, General, one of the things they did say today in the briefing was that. They opened up the aperture of the radar um, in that area, right where you were, actually, uh, General, and that in the past they wouldn't have been able to see it, but because now they've opened it up, so now they're seeing a broader scale. We're, we're coming on a hard break. We've got 30 seconds left. General, what, what would you like to say in the last 30 seconds? Well, this is not an accident. I believe the other three are Chinese as well. They were launched probably – uh, slightly after the first big one, and uh, and they're just coming through now, and they had to be launched from up north, depending on the trades. And uh, that way, it there. comes off over the Arctic Ocean. Is that what you're saying? That that's correct, and comes down, Prudhoe Bay, Yukon, General Lake uh, th- Thank you for everything you've done for our country, and continue to speak out for our country. We'll talk to you again real soon. Okay, John. Thanks. Let's God bless th- you all. Thank you. God bless. You. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Joining us now, we have Jeffrey Weisenfeld. Jeffrey, 
obviously, is currently this trustee for the City University of New York, has a long storied history with Senator Al D'Amato, also Governor Pataki. And Jeffrey, you've got a really fascinating story that you're joining us here on Cats at Night of what happened with you with Carl Hasty, and you were experiencing social media blockout, right? Give us a sense of what happened with you. Well, first of all, it's a great privilege to be on with my former boss and the greatest congressman ever, Peter King. But it is a problem that we have. For some reason, we don't see any tolerance from the left. The left loves to censor, cancel culture, and shut everybody down. What happened was that I had been criticizing. I've always been civic-minded. I served on community boards and planning boards and all kinds of things outside of work for many, many years. Are you on the board of City College? No, no. I was on from uh, 1999 to 2014, 15-year term. I was appointed by the governor at that time. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to get into that right now, but as you know, things are going backwards at City University because all the Bloomberg and Pataki trustees are now gone, and so is the chancellor that they appointed at the time. Anyway, Heasty and Cousins are holding back the right of the people to live in safety in our city and state. And I had been writing all of these kinds of things on their Twitter pages, and they're public officials, which means they they are not permitted by law to block people from their public social media outlets. And at one point, I guess you could say, taking a a phrase from the left, he he was triggered. What happened was back in November, one of the posts that I wrote, I said, it is really outrageous that he and cousins don't care about all of the people who are being maimed, assaulted, murdered, raped, and otherwise done harm most of whom, by the way, happen to be people of color. Instead of worrying about them, Heasty and Cousins are worried about, quote, affirmative action for bail. And this really triggered him, and he blocked me. What I was trying to say there, very simply, you worried about <clears throat> if, there's, if you believe there's <clears throat> pardon me, unequal treatment regarding bail, We have plenty of methodologies to monitor how judges treat people equally or not. We have a system for that. You don't let all the criminals out and fail to reform the bail laws because, as the senator used to say, whenever I went with him to a public event, the first obligation of government is to protect its people. And everyone should really rally around this concept and make sure that we get public safety from our officials. And everyone should, should go and, on Heasty and Cousins' Twitter pages and so on until everybody is blocked. But isn't this sort of par for the course of the way that Heasty's handled things? Now what about the New York? Jeff, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome to Cats at Night. What yeah, about uh, the war that uh, Speaker Heasty's having with the New York Post? What do you think about that? That's another thing, you know, uh, you can't be a, a look, you can't be that thin skinned as a public official. Of course, you can get riled up by the press. Everyone does. Every public official does at one point or another. But you can't block a whole segment of the population that sees its ideals represented in a particular newspaper. You just can't be that sensitive. But, you know, it's really I have to say what's very sad right now. And I'm going to say something that others won't say. You know, the governor, the current governor, could end up being quite impotent in these matters if she doesn't know how to handle herself, unless she figures Jeffrey, it out. Jeffrey, you know what I said today to Sid? I was on Sid's show this morning. Yeah. 
uh, she trusted the legislature uh, during the uh, December 31. Correct. And now, according to Go- Governor Patterson, who knows those laws in Albany, uh, that she, he's got, uh, she's got control of the budget, and it's time to squeeze it the other way. Now, yes, you. Uh, uh, I guess the legislator, legislature screwed her. So Listen, screw me I, I once. Don't, I don't have to shame, tell anybody. Shame on to, you. Screw yeah. me twice. Shame on her. Correct. And look, I don't have to tell anybody what a great governor George Pataki was, but you know what? I'm gonna. What's really unbelievable. One thing I do know: if Andrew Cuomo had gotten screwed this way. He would know how to beat them. She just doesn't know how to beat them. And Heasty and Cousins are, are, are really destroying the state double-handedly. Look, look she, she made a mistake. She gave them the raise. She gave them the raise before she got what she needed, the appointment of the yeah, judge and mistake. the bail reform. Yeah, she gave it so, away. So that's just giving it away. Yeah, you know, sign the marriage certificate before you give it away. <laughs> I like how John puts it you in like human that. terms. I do. I like that. It was well, good, John. <laughs> Jeffrey Weisenfeld, we got to take a break, but I wanted you to have your two cents uh, and my, our fellow rabbi, it. so great our fellow rabbi, Patricia. All the best. Loves you. All the best. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Joining us now is the newly elected Congressman Nick LaLota. Nick was part of that big red wave in New York, which helped, of course, Republicans get control of the House. Also graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy. He served in the Navy for eight years. Um, and from Bayshore, New York, and Congressman, first of all, we're thrilled you're here because you are also a part, of course, of the Secu- Homeland Security uh, Committee. It is such an important committee. And you guys aren't getting answers on what's happening with these three unidentified objects and, of course, more details on the Chinese spy balloon. Uh, fill us in. we got a full house here. It's, uh, it's good to be on with you. And what a star-studded room you must have there. One day I hope I get invited to the room and don't have to just call in. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I am the lucky one, Congressman. I'm the lucky one. <laughs> hey, Nick, once so we let you suffer, guys, then you're going to take the whole thing over. So we can't do that. Very slow to share any information with Congress whatsoever on very important matters that Americans are seeing unfold every night and day on their TVs. Americans are worried. We want answers. We want to know, are our skies safe? How did these things get there? How long have they been there? What information, what intelligence have they been collecting? We have way more questions than answers at this point. And we need to fix that right away. Nick, do you know, are they briefing the Gang of Eight yet? The Speaker and the Majority and Minority Leaders? And the, and the Intel uh, Committee? I hope so, Pete. That hasn't been shared with us. If it has happened yet, we've had some uh, dialogue within the Homeland Service, uh, Homeland Security Committee and the Armed Services Committee, some texts and some signal messages and things like that back and forth with each other. But it's just really been a collaboration amongst us House Republicans because we're not getting much from the administration at all. Nick, is the mood down there, does the average Republican or Democrat believe the administration? There's always a certain amount of suspicion, but it seems like there's more more now than, than usual. Yeah, and I think what begets that suspicion is the lack of communication. That why isn't the president on the TV telling the American public what's going on? Why isn't DOD telling HAP? Why isn't Homeland telling the Homeland Security Committee? I think the lack of communication 
breeds more of these things. And I hope that our planners are doing the right things. I hope the folks who are on the radars and on the airplanes are doing the right things. But unless they share that information with Congress and the American people, there's going to be more and more suspicion as we move forward. Nick, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back to Cats at Night. I'll tell you what, as a citizen, what I'm troubled by. Do we have confidence that our military has the ability to recognize that there's this threat that's coming over and stopping it from doing surveillance all across our country? Are we ready for that? That's number one. Number two, what are we going to do with China, which is acting with impunity in doing this? So what are your answers to that, Nick? Well, Judge, it's good to speak with you again, Judge. I think this, you know, having served in the military, having been deployed to a part of the world where it was literally my job to head up a WAC team that kept a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier safe, that when a North Korean or a Chinese threat came closer and closer to us, we understood what our pre-planned responses are. I'm confident that now that exists in our military. We have the right radars. We have the right systems. We have the right people. Where I have some doubts is up the chain of command, specifically with the civilians involved in the chain of command who have weapons release authority. What are they, what do they know? When do they know it? Are they being timid when they should be being assertive? Those are the questions I have up the upper echelons. Somebody's calling the shot that might not be a proper shot. I think that that is something we should worry about. And, And how far up is the information going? Are they telling the information to the Secretary of Defense? Is the Secretary of Defense sharing it with the president? Who's involved in the real-time decision-making on these It's things? a lot of concern. Congressman, it's a lot of concern. We agree, with, and we wanted you to go on the radio and, and, and tell us about your concerns. And I want to thank you for coming on and, and uh, keep doing your job. We'd like to have you back. And uh, give us an update at the uh, end of the week or, uh, when, or when you know more. Thanks for the invite on it, sir. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Well, thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are lucky to have the mayor of Kansas City, probably the happiest man other than maybe the team owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mayor Quentin Lucas, joining us here on the Great Cats at Night show. Mayor, great to have you here. Thank you for being with us. Congrats. It's great to be with you. You actually catch me at the airport. The Chiefs are landing as we speak um, to start our kind of week of celebrations. So if it gets too loud with a plane coming up, I apologize in advance. They're not They're not overturning any cars in Kansas City, are they? <laughs> you know what? We are not. I, I heard that Philadelphia has an issue with greasing poles or needing to. Uh, we don't quite have that same concern in KC. A much, much calmer group of folks. A civilized, a civilized state. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. 
That's exactly right. How do you guys feel today? By the way, I mean, John and I watched the game through and through. It was an amazing game. And, and boy, you guys, like, came back at the end. It looked like they got, like, a, like a prep in the, uh, in the locker room halfway through the game. Um, and, boy, they came back strong. But Andy Reid, uh, like, amazing coach, Patrick Mahomes, uh, amazing quarterback. I mean, this, this was enormous. You know what? We are just so incredibly proud of the way the team played all year. I was at the game yesterday. Somewhat uh, surprising. You're down 10 points. To see that type of game turn like that was something that was exceptional for me. So uh, we're pumped. Here comes the plane. So hopefully it's not too loud too soon. No, so you're going to bring Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, onto the show, right? You're going to pull him <laughs> off the plane, right, and bring him to us? <laughs> you know what? I, I will get you one of the best interviews that you've had in a while. Super Bowl MVP coming up real quick. So, now it's, uh, it is a thriller. And it was fun to, you know, beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I want to say, by the way, thank you to Giants fans and others who I think have been some of our biggest fans, NFC East folks, over uh, certainly making sure we beat their enemy, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, no doubt about it. What, what are your plans this week, too? Like, obviously, they're getting off uh, right now. Literally, we're speaking to the mayor of Kansas City as the plane is arriving with the team. This is so awesome. What are the plans this week to how you're going to celebrate? Is there a, a ticker tape parade? What's what's in store? A huge parade coming up this Wednesday is uh, the, the, what we're working on in Kansas City. Last time, we had about five or 600,000 people there. We're expecting to have even more uh, this time around, the weather will be nice for February. So a big parade. And then, of course, supporting the team as we try to get them to run it back again next year. I mean, I've, I've been lucky. I've been mayor for four years. We have had our dramas, as you guys talk about a lot, no doubt, as well as New York. But uh, we've had two Super Bowl victories and, of course, uh, three Super Bowls total. It makes people like me a heck of a lot more than I think they normally would. Well, we're here in New York. And um, did you lose any bets to Mayor Adams? You know, um, I get a chance to visit with Mayor Adams from time to time, who is a vastly more entertaining person than me and creates much better headlines. But, uh, you know, we haven't had a chance to place any bets lately because I need the Jets and the Giants to uh, certainly the Jets to step it up a little bit more. But uh, the G-Men, I think I'm seeing some good improvement. Well, Mayor Lucas, thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank you so much for coming on. WABC Radio is the most powerful radio station on the East Coast. And and when you're in New York, we'd love to have you in person. Well, thank you so much. They've been telling me. So looking forward to seeing you in person. Thank you. uh, Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. come back to see them play the Jets and the Giants ahead. Take care, everybody. Take care. Congrats. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And this is Rita Cosby joining the great John Katsimatidis and a full house here on Cats at Night. And joining us now is Bill O'Reilly, of course, host of Common Sense. You hear him all over the place. You hear him on uh, Sid's show in the morning. You hear him on Before Curtis. And you hear him on Before My Show on WABC because we love him. He's also a prolific author, 19 million books sold, and his latest book, Killing the Killers, which is awesome. Bill, great to have you here with John and everybody in a full house here, Bill. And you were the lucky one to be at the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, it was quite an experience. Got back at 3 in the morning and uh, learned a lot. Game was great. Uh, some controversy. 
uh, became about the uh, three and um, there was uh, an action-packed weekend. Yeah, tell us about some of the controversy, Bill, because obviously we were seeing uh, there was something with Carrie Lake. Tell us, because I was I saw some of that moment. You describe it. You were there. Yeah, she she didn't stand up during the um, song um, "Lift Every." What is it? Lift every. I should lift I every voice. Yep. Lift every voice. Thank you, Rita. Uh, and she didn't stand up. There were three songs, Lift Every Voice, which some consider the Black National Anthem. Then it was America the Beautiful. Then it was Star Spangled Banner. Um, Lift Every Voice came on about 25 minutes before kickoff. And it, there were a lot of people who were distracted at that point. They were walking around the stadium. They were getting stuff to eat. Uh, it took me about three choruses of, uh, of the song to figure out what was going on because I was having a conversation. So I stood up and I would say about 70% of the people seated in the uh, stadium at the time did stand. She did not. Now I didn't see her. Obviously she was in a, another section of the stadium, but cameras <clears throat> caught her sitting down. And then she said, Hey, I don't like the song. It's too woke. We should only have one national anthem and this is divisive and I'm not going to stand. So the, she's entitled to her opinion, but immediately the progressives labeled her a racist, as they do, you know, routinely to anybody they don't like, and they don't like Carrie Lake. To me, I stood out of respect for the song. It was written in 1900 um, by the hen, head of the NAACP back then, and it's a lovely song. and. Uh, Cheryl Ralph, who sang it, did a great job. And 70% of the NFL players are black. So out of respect, I stood up. But I didn't think anything about it that the people who didn't stand, it's up to them. But now it's a big race thing, of course. You know, it's interesting, Bill, too, um, this game, this was the first time two African-American quarterbacks Played in the Super Bowl, too. So, I mean, it's interesting, the juxtaposition of just how far things have come. And, and that was beautiful, I thought. Well, believe me when I tell you that nobody was thinking about skin color during that game. Yeah, okay. I, I agree. <laughs> they, were, they were admiring the skill of the two quarterbacks, both of whom uh, played in a tremendous manner. But no, nobody was thinking of that. And then one of the sportscasters, Chris Berman, well, no, he's a good guy. He said, hey. You know, there's two black quarterbacks, and isn't it ironic today is Lincoln's birthday? Now, some people found that offensive. I'm going, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? He's just pointing out that this is going on on the 12th of February. It's Abraham Lincoln's birthday, and there are two black quarterbacks in the game. What's wrong with that? That's what journalists are supposed to do. Oh, no, because this Twitter... Is it just insidious? This thing gives loons, you know, an opportunity to go out and smash and defame anybody they want with no cost to them. And, you know, what it's doing is it's going to it's making a lot of Americans very fearful of saying anything to people of the opposite color or whatever. And that's what it's doing. It's just look, there's, we are, are here to bring America together. There's one 
national anthem. Otherwise, why don't we have the Irish national anthem? Why don't we have the Greek national anthem, the Italian national anthem? What about the Polish national country. anthem? You want the Polish yeah. national anthem. I mean, but, damn, it's but John, one national but John, anthem. John, yes. that's true. But on St. Patrick's Day, you want the Irish the saints go marching in. Yes. And... and you know, on uh, the Greek day, there's a parade in New York. And the Greek national the Greek anthem. Right. So nobody said, hey, this song played 25 minutes before kickoff is representing the United States. It was a song of respect. And that's what we're missing here in, in the United States. Respect for opposing points of view. I agree. I agree. Now, I understand you've been seen. We understand you've been seen Thursday night, I believe, at the uh, Islanders game. What what happened there? So John Ledecky owns the Islanders, and it's his birthday, 65th birthday on Thursday, and he's kind enough to invite me to the game. Uh, and I go to the game, and there's a, a lot of people in the suite, in the suite, and in walks Mayor Adams. Okay? So I, I happened to be eating a, uh, a meatball at the time. <laughs> And I, Did you swallow? Me. He sees me. I chewed fast, okay? Wipe my mouth. And unlike, it's interesting, unlike Giuliani and Bloomberg and Koch, all right, and I've covered all three of them, Adams is more affable. He's more approachable than those three guys. Not to say they were bad guys. Koch could be a bad guy. I mean, he could get really nasty. Uh, Bloomberg and, and Giuliani, they were politicians, but, but Adams is much more uh, approachable. So he sees me, and, and I see him, and then everybody in the box just stops. <laughs> it's me and him. A photographic moment. <laughs> About three feet apart. And I look at him, and I go, you know, Mr. Mayor, you made a big mistake sleeping in that migrant shelter. Now everybody's going, oh, man, right? I said, the mistake you made, and he's smiling, but I, he, he doesn't know where I'm going with this. I said, the mistake you made is that you didn't invite me. <laughs> oh, i in there with you, every migrant in the city would have split. I would have saved you a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say, Bill? That's great. He laughed. <laughs> It's a pretty good line, I thought, right off the top of my head. That's a great line. <laughs> well, Everybody I... laughed. And, you know, that's what I'm about. I do, as you pointed out, Rita, very nicely, I do very heavy commentary. And, I, and I'm very plain spoken. But I'm also not a malicious guy. I mean, at the Super Bowl, I had conversations with, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, Speaker of the House McCarthy, um, half the NFL owners, including Woody Johnson of the Jets. And I mean, those conversations were cordial, and I learned an enormous amount. In fact, McCarthy is coming on the program, and of course, you hear uh, common sense, as you pointed out, at 9 p.m. He'll be on, I think, next week. Um, and, and so... I'm not in the business to run anybody down or disparage anybody, if even if I disagree with them. You have common sense, Bill O'Reilly. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.